not who we are. It's not our vision and goals. We already have those things. Uh, we, we make disciples and we plan to plant churches. And we do that by building relationships and serving our community, like Josh was saying. That, that's that's what, we're, what we're doing. That's who we are. That's our goal. But the reason we're looking at the word seek for the next year is it's the way we hope to grow as a church in 2023. Um, and today we're going to look back. I'm going to go back over a little bit from last week. You can go back and watch the video if you want to see it or listen to the podcast if you want to hear it. Um, but then we're going to look at one more practical thing from First John. So that's where we'll be today. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. First John is a tricky one. It's not John. It's First John. So you have John the Gospel, and then you have the same author who wrote First, Second, and Third John, three little short letters that are in the very back of your Bible, very back. So... Um, you're literally only a few pages from Revelation, which is the last book. So go to the first John, one John, and um, we're going to be in chapter 3. I'm going to read, let me just read one simple verse. Last week we sat on one verse. We'll look back at it in a second. This week we're going to sit on one verse, really. I'll read some others, but this is the heat of it. Uh, John, First John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Little children... Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for generations, no, more than generations, Lord, thousands of years of your word never changing. It's it's always been the same. Uh, Thousands of years, it's always been the same. And there are generations that have come and gone and come and gone and come and gone. And I'm one of those that's here now and will be gone one day. But your word, it just never changes. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. Help us treat it with respect. Help us love it. Help us be encouraged by it, Lord. And most importantly, help us share it with others. Help us take your word to others who need to hear it as well and not just hoard it for ourselves. I pray today as I open it and look at it and, and speak it. That as I say always, Lord, I'm a student. I know I have the privilege of a microphone. I know I'm standing on a stage, but uh, I'm a pretty fallen person. Uh, Lord, if it weren't for your Holy Spirit, I, I would be nothing. If it wasn't for Christ, I would be nothing. So I pray today, Lord, that you speak your word in a way that I learn as well. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the big story in the past few weeks has been... Um, this guy, Damar Hamlin, I'm not going to go all into him, but he's the football player that was hit in the chest and had a had a heart attack on the field. And uh, we were watching that game, Molly and I, live, and saw it all happen and kind of play out. And it was intense, and uh, it was kind of wild how we couldn't really turn the channel. Uh, even when it was over and he was at the hospital, we still just kind of watched the news. It's nowhere near what 9-11 was, but it had that sense of like you didn't want to turn away from it until you knew this guy was okay, and then you start realizing that the whole world, is, or the whole country at least, is starting to pay attention to this. Other football teams are paying attention to this. They canceled the game. I mean, just all of this over this one guy, uh, and then the prayers, like the prayers were just off the charts everywhere. The team's praying, everybody praying, um, and then there was this guy, Dan Orlovsky, on ESPN. I reposted this. I don't post a lot of stuff, but I reposted this because it was wild. Dan Orlovsky, who's on, he's an, an analyst on ESPN and live on the set of NFL Live. Uh, he said, I'm going to pray for this guy, and he prayed for him. And the whole, I mean, it was just 
it was an intense moment to see him on the set with these analysts and then just say, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for him like now. And, uh, it was awesome. And it was beautiful and exciting, but people were sharing that moment like crazy. You know, I'm one of them. And I stopped and I thought after I shared it for a minute though, and kind of my point in bringing all that up is the same thing is tons of people were praying. A lot of people were praying. Both football teams were praying. The whole country was praying. Like probably more prayer, people say more prayer happened over that guy than anything in the past decade. I don't know. But, I mean, people were praying. So why was that one so powerful? Like what made the fact that he prayed? I didn't know that guy. I never even heard of him. I mean, I know I've heard of him, but I don't know him. Like what made him such a big deal? Well, I think it's because the boldness, the danger you know, and I'm not saying somebody's going to walk up and stab him danger. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? The danger of this is his job, and he's in front of the whole world, and he's about to do something that's not acceptable necessarily. The exposure, like he put himself out there. Can you imagine? I mean, it's one thing to stand up in front of people and pray on a microphone, but we get all sensitive about what people think about how we pray. Can you imagine praying in front of, like, the world? <laughs> I mean... That kind of action, that sacrifice, that's what that is, right? Sacrifice. That kind of action is what we want to seek God for, hoping that he's going to grow our church in 2023. So the point from last week was, because we're certain that Jesus is alive and loves us, we want to seek him more, and we want to seek to make him known. This week, uh, it's on the sheet if you got it. If you don't, it's fine, but grab one on your way out. If we want God to answer our prayers, listen, If we, this one is great today, and I'm saying that because it encouraged me, not because Dave's great. His word's great. If we want God to answer our prayer and grow our church, we have to love and not just claim to. Okay? And today, it could get real cliche if we're not careful, but I'm, I'm going to really try my best to point out what I mean when I say this. If we want God to answer our prayers and grow our church, we have to love and not just claim to, okay? Matthew 6.33 is what we went to last week. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm not going to go back over all of this in detail, but some of it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 5, in the same discussion, Jesus said in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be satisfied. To seek biblically is to hunger and thirst. Like, nobody wants to be hungry. Hungry sounds like a bad thing. Nobody wants to be hungry. Nobody wants to be thirsty. But what Jesus is saying is to seek God is to get yourself in that position. It's a bit uncomfortable. It doesn't mean you're starving. It doesn't mean you're going to dry up and wither away. It just means you're a bit uncomfortable. Like, you're... Seeking God should put you in a place that's a little bit uncomfortable. We looked at the definition of the word seek in Hebrew and in Greek, which are the original languages which we would have had it in. So we looked at what that looked like. We came to the conclusion that we're earnestly, based on those definitions, what we need to be doing is earnestly trying to seek the presence of God, to experience God. And we need to be doing it presently, actively, personally. You know, as a church trying to seek him. The church we mentioned last week is his kingdom on earth. We, we're a visible outpost of what his kingdom should look like. And this is important this week too. If people should come into a church 
or a church family or around a church. It doesn't have to be a building like we are. We were in a house for three years. That they need to come into the presence of a church and feel something that's unique, something that's different, something that would point them to recognize that, hey, this is bigger than me. It should be that. The church is a visible outpost of God's kingdom on earth. What, what we expect God's kingdom to look like. And we're flawed. I know all that. But that's what it's supposed to look like. And we are going to be presently, actively a part of his kingdom, asking him to grow this church. That's the point of seeking him. So rather than seeking attractions, rather than seeking... Now, when I say we won't do these things, we're going to have game night on Friday. And I don't even like games, but there's going to be a game night on Friday for everybody who does. So I'm not saying we won't do things, but rather than the focus being pizza parties and jump gyms and all this other bunch of stuff, we're not saying we won't do them, but rather than that being the focus, we're going to seek the king and we're going to ask him to grow the church. So again, on your sheet, what are we seeking? To encounter and experience Christ. Talked about this last week. That's what we're seeking. We want to encounter and experience Christ. How are we seeking that? By requests, by petitions to God, we say prayer, but in a hunger and a thirst. Like, God, we are hungry for this. We're thirsty for this. How do you create hunger and thirst? Think about that for a second. If I say that you should hunger and thirst for it, how do you create that? Well, it's a little bit difficult to answer because we're all different people, right? But I can say this. You can do it literally. How do you do it literally? Don't eat. (laughs) Don't eat. Don't drink. You know? Uh, That's called fasting. It's literally what it is. It's called fasting. And I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying there's a tool to create that physical hunger. But that physical hunger is a reminder, pray. Pray right now. Lord, I'm, I'm hungry, so I'm going to stop and pray. And if you're hungry all day, guess what you're going to be doing? Praying all day. That's exactly right. So um, what's the hope? What is it that we're hoping for? Well, we're hoping to grow. That's what we want, growth. I mean, in, in, in every way. I'm not going to try to measure that. I'm not going to try to say this is growth. We have 400 people here. I'm not going to say this is growth. we got a new building. I'm not talking about all of that. Uh, I'm not even thinking about all that. I just want to, I want a sense of growth in the church, and that's what we're praying for. We want to see that happen. All right? Uh, what are we going to do? What's the action? What's the plan? Well, what can you personally, myself included, put aside, sacrifice in order to seek God in the year ahead? What, what can you Think about it. It doesn't have to be one thing. It could be one thing, but think about things. It might change. It might say, well, this week it's going to be this. I just mean put yourself in a mindset of, is it sleep? Like I'm going to get up in the morning when I would normally sleep. I'm going to stay up later than I normally would. I don't know. Is, is, it, is it time? Is it prayers? Is is, you know, I remember this side note, but I remember uh, one year uh, I had a job years ago when I first started turning my life towards Christ. I had a job uh, that I had to drive an hour to get to. And I remember, or about 45 minutes or so, I remember I loved being in the car because what I loved to do was turn the radio on, crank it up, listen to all my favorite music, and I have all this time to get there. Well, I ended up scrolling on, on the radio one week and passed a, a Christian, very boring Christian radio station. But they were praying. Like, and they were doing prayer requests. And it was so random. It was like... Uh, 
Lord, we pray for Deidre. Nobody knows who Deidre is. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what are we praying for Deidre? For who's Deidre? And nobody knows who that is. And what is this guy? And I was real cynical for about a minute. And then I was like, wait a minute. God knows who Deidre is. Why not? So then I started every morning, instead of turning the radio on, praying for these people. I have no idea who they were. Uh, but it, it made a sacrifice of my time. And before long, I started loving that, that time. So find ways to make sacrifice. It might be money. It might be, hey, I'm giving so much, I'm going to start giving more. Uh, I don't I don't know what it is. Something that you come up with that you sacrifice, but for the purpose of seeking God and his presence to grow this church. Not just saying, hey, I want a blessing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about saying, God, we want to see you grow our church. So this is the way I'm going to do it. So today, we'll come to today. How can we know that God will respond? Listen, did you know you can know that he'll respond. This is crazy, but awesome. His word says so. In 1 John chapter 3, you can go back there. He gives three benefits right here to doing verse 18. Look back at verse 18. I already read it, but it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And there's three benefits if you do that. All right, now I'm not picking all this apart because I want to see the bigger picture here, but I'll show you what they are. Uh, three benefits, assurance of salvation, answered prayer, and the Holy Spirit living within us. Look in verse 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. Or reassure means doubts are removed, right? Like, I know, I'm, I know I belong to God. I know I'm part of God. Why? Because I love in, not just in word or talk, but in deed and truth. It's assurance of salvation. For whenever our heart condemns us, whenever your heart says, man, I'm, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a bad person. I make so many mistakes. I did that again. How can I possibly do that same thing for the 400th time again? Whatever it is. Whenever your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart, and he knows everything. He already knows you did it. He already knows where your heart is. He knows. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, here he turns, we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. I'll come back to that in a second. Verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he's commanded us. The answer prayer. And then verse 24. The Holy Spirit within us, whoever keeps his commandments, abides in God and God in him. Man, just pause on that one a second. Let that sink into your head a second. You abide you dwell you live you exist in god and him in you both he says and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us so the spirit confirms that your life is different so he does say there keep his commands keep his commandments commands he says that several times which ones there's before you jump too quick there's 613 in the bible in the Old Testament, that called the law. So is it all 613? Is it just the Ten Commandments? Which commands is he talking about keeping? He's speaking here, first of all, of obedience, not checking a list. He's not saying, well, here's the 613, so make sure you, you, you check them all off every day, or the Ten even. He's, he's saying the opposite. He's just saying, I mean, not saying the opposite. He's just saying it's about obedience, 
Remember what Jesus said. Some of you may know this. If you don't, it's a great encouragement. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Those are the sweetest words, man. If you are wore out, if the weight of the world is on your shoulders, if you're exhausted with burden, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. But look what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Again, rest is there. But a yoke doesn't sound like rest. But he turns around and says rest twice again. And then he says this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every Jew that heard those words knows what yoke and burden is. It's the law. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, the, it's not just the Ten Commandments. It's all 613. It's the first five books of the Bible. It's the law of Moses. That's what he's referring to. And he's saying, my law, my commandment is light. It's light. It's, it's, I would never call keeping... 613 commandments, easy or light. I wouldn't even call keeping 10 commandments easy or light. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in fact, I promise you I would never call it rest for my soul. In fact, John defines what he means by commands. He says it. Look back there in verse 23. There's two. These are the commands. Believe in Jesus and love one another. You got to feel the weight of this now, because some of us may think we do uh, love one another, but do you really? Is one another limited? Who 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 fits in that cat? Who does that exclude? Who's not a one another? Who who does that exclude? What about people in the church? Like how do you talk? To, how do you speak to them? How do you talk about them? You know, how, how do you speak to others about them? How do you respond when they approach you and they want to talk or they want to hang out or they ask you to come over? I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm saying you, but I'm in the same boat. I, I'll put myself right there, too. In fact, for the record, just so you know, every time I say when you, it's because I ask myself that. That's the way I write my notes out. Dave, when you blank. So I'm not excluding myself in any of this. What about people outside the church? Are they not one another's? Well, what did Jesus say? He wrecked it for all of us. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Even the ones who, by the way, love your enemies. Not, not the nation enemies, national enemies, not, not all that stuff. He's talking about very specifically the ones you can't stand. In fact, he says the ones who curse you, you're supposed to do what? Bless them. Yeah. I mean, Matthew five forty three. you can look it up in your own time, but that's where he talks about that. Like, yeah, love your enemies, man. How is that even possible? You know what that means, by the way? Consider, consider this. It means that you are not allowed to hate anybody. Worse than that. Or I say worse. It shouldn't be worse, but it's a struggle, right? Worse than that is you're not allowed not to love anybody. 
If you're supposed to love your enemies, what are you left with? I mean, you're not allowed not to love anybody. How does that even look? You know, when I was in the prisons, I used to talk to Crips and Bloods and all that stuff all the time. And to say love your enemies is to tell one of them you're supposed to love the other. You might tolerate them. You might like them. But you can't possibly tell me that you're going to love them. Like, that's not... How's that even possible? Well, Jesus said the ability to love each other was tied to another commandment. The greatest of commandments. Love who? Him. Love the Lord your God with all of you. With every bit of you. So guess what? If you love God with all of you, then that enemy that you can't stand and you don't think you can possibly love, you're right. You can't, but he can And if you love him with all of you, then he will love that person through you. And it will seem impossible. And it will prove that he is working in and through you by the way you love that person. So examine yourself here. Where are you with this now? Do you claim to love God with all of you? Do you say, yeah, I love God with with all my heart, soul, mind, spirit. I I love him. But you make clear to other people there's a lot of folks you don't like do do people see you as somebody who loves would people describe you that man he 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 just loves everybody she loves she loves everybody or they see you as critical and bitter and angry and frustrated how do you think people see you but let's come back to our word and i don't have a whole lot today i want to stay straight to the point so let's come back to our word we're seeking god in 2023 and this is epic here because <laughs> there's a promise do you see that look back and look back in the text there in first john 3 look back at verse 22 the second promise here is knowing that he's gonna answer your prayer it, I, we, he tells us he will answer our prayers well how verse 22 whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him, which is love one another. Believe in him and love one another. Think about that. He's saying we know he's going to answer us if we love one another. But this guarantee requires, back in verse 18, love in deed and truth. Let's come back to the verse, verse 18. Love in deed and in truth. Not just love. What does loving in words only look like? Don't love in words only. What does words loving in words only look like? Why would John say we shouldn't do that? Uh, there was a pastor I worked with in the past, and um, obviously won't share his name, but he talked all the time about loving Muslims. That was every time he'd get on the stage, he'd come out of his mouth, how much he loved Muslims. Muslims, I'd rather, he used to say, I'd rather sit with a bunch of Muslims than anybody else and spend time. He'd say it constantly. He talked about them all the time on the stage. He was writing his thesis in school on reaching Muslims in North America. He had written all kinds of things. He'd done all kinds of interviews with people and uh, LifeWay and other stuff on Muslims. And um, from what come out of his mouth, you would think he practically was an expert on it. But I, at the church, had begun a ministry to reach refugees in the community because at the time where we were, there were a lot of refugees coming in. And so we had started this ministry and we were bringing refugees into the church. And so every week they're in the church. And that number was huge. It went from like 30, 40, 50, 60, all the way up to over 100 at times. Families that are in the church that are refugees from Middle Eastern countries, 
Most of them spoke English, some of them broken or whatever, but we even found somebody to translate into Arabic so that we could continue to do ministry. We were helping them learn English, but it wasn't just an ESL thing. It was bigger than that. We were doing food, we were doing stuff, and we had somebody that came up and would do a Bible study with them, and they would sit there because they, they were refugees. Where else? What else are they going to do with their time? So they had a guy that would sit up, and they would literally talk back and forth, this whole group of people about the Quran and the Bible, and just work through it together openly um, through this translator. It, w- it was awesome. Uh, I loved it, had a great time, and we'd meet every single week. They were in the building, and this pastor had nothing to do with them. Would never even come, all he had to do was walk down the hall and walk in the room. He was never there, never came. We were in multiple countries that were Muslim countries doing missions, multiple. I've been in several, Molly had been in several of them. He never went to any of them. Now, maybe he didn't have time Maybe he was busy. I, I don't know. I'm not going to try to pretend to understand why he took that route. Maybe he actually did love Muslims. But I can tell you right now, the rest of us that knew, that saw that were sick of hearing him say it. Like, quit saying it, dude. You, you get up there and you say it all week and you're writing all these books, but you, you take no interest literally in spending time with them. There's an English word for loving in words only. It's called flattery. Right? You're just, you're saying kind things. But do you really mean it? Like, I have no idea. I don't know if you mean it or not. Love's not just a feeling. That's the way we always try to put it out there. Like, it's, man, I feel so in love. And, like, you have this feeling that overtakes you or sneaks up and jumps on you from behind. Or or maybe you've never had it and you're like, man, I really want this feeling to overwhelm me and take me and all this. But But feelings change. If you're trusting a feeling as love, you're in trouble, big trouble, because feelings change. And feelings also make us do dumb things sometimes. Feelings can make us really overwhelmed with happiness and joy one minute and then really angry the next minute at the same person. You know, feelings are not trustworthy, and they cause all kinds of actions. And like I said, some aren't good. But love is something more. Love is an action first that creates a feeling. It's a decision you make. You may not think so, but, but you're wrong. I'm telling you right now. It's a decision that you make to say, I'm going to love. It's a choice. And when we choose to love, then an action results from that. And the feelings come around that. Before long, you're like, man, I'm... I'm crazy. The the feeling of love is overwhelming. But there were actions that led to that, right? There were decisions that were made that, that pulled you into that place. So why would you need to be told, as John does here, to love in deed and truth? Why would you need to be told to do that? That seems like that would be obvious. Why, why be told to do that? Well, what does love in deed or action what does that look like? Well, I can tell you right now, it's sacrifice. High schools need to learn this. Believe me, I'm not saying that judgmentally. I was in a high school once upon a time, and I currently serve in one. Molly works in one full time. The word love there is certainly confusing. But if a guy, if a boy truly loves a girl, he's going to be wanting to sacrifice, not get her to. If you know what I mean. You know, love is, love is 
a sacrifice. It costs. It costs something. What does love in truth look like? Both. Truth is being honest. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to be honest. It doesn't come natural. Neither one of those things come natural. Sacrifice or being overtly honest with somebody, neither one of those things come naturally. They require a decision to act. I'm going to sacrifice. So do we have examples of that? Well, funny enough, look back in the text there. John actually gives you some. Look back at verse 16, back up, First John three sixteen. By this we know love, that he, who's he? Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If laying your life down is an example of loving in deed or action, then what is the limit that love is able to ask of us? Just think about that a minute. If laying your life down is an example of loving in action, then where is the limit to what love can ask of us? Verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It's not saying, he doesn't say, this is not about saying yes to everybody. I'm going to give everybody everything. Everybody who asks can have anything they want until I have nothing. And then I'll go out and get a job so I can give more to everybody else and have nothing. That's not what he's talking about here. Where the, the thrust of what he's saying here is closing your heart to somebody. See it in the text there where he says, but closes his heart against him. It's about closing your heart rather than sacrifice, resources, sacrifice time, sacrifice money, if that's what it takes. This is what we're doing to seek God in this church across the next year. Uh, Also, one other note here, love is best displayed. I'm just saying we can debate this if you want, but this is my experience and I believe it's to be true. Love is best displayed. With individuals, not masses, not crowds and masses of people. Compassion can be displayed to crowds. Uh, serving can be displayed to crowds. Mercy can display, be displayed to crowds. Good deeds can be displayed to crowds. But love is something more intimate and personal. And I think that love is best displayed in individuals. Why? Because it's sacrificial. It costs something. In fact, it costs the glory that you would get from the moment. I'm just saying, focus on the individual would seem more impactful than reaching a crowd. Love is, for instance, love is what Jesus illustrates when he says the shepherd who would leave the 99 sheep for what? To find the one that was lost. That's love. I got a crowd, but I'm leaving the crowd because there's one over here. There's one. And I'm going to. Go focus on that one. Love will always impact the one who receives it more than the one who is giving it. So let's think practically. And those stones, I'm just saying, we're we're trying to make all this stuff practical for the year. So like if we were to do a homeless ministry per se or do something with the homeless, does it make more sense, love speaking, to set up lines out there and feed as many as we can and provide as many resources as we possibly can, maybe even give everything we can till we have nothing left as a church, if that were the case, or to spend time getting to know one or two or three homeless people, hear their story, learn about their past, take them to lunch a few times a week, give them a ride somewhere, 
help them find a job, learn about where they came from in order to help them see where, where they're going, allow them to meet you, to know you, to be in your life, to come to your church, maybe, scary, come to your home. All of those things, which one do you think displays love more powerfully? But it costs something. We don't get the glory. We don't get the trophy. Look how many we've fed. Look how many we've taken care of. Look how many we've done. But you might have saved one person's life. You know, that's more the strategy that we want to see happen. Praying for everyone. It's like we're, we're going to pray for everybody. We're going to pray all the time. Or, or maybe say, I'm going to pray for you, Dave. And I'm going to sit down with you right now and let's talk, man, because your heart looks troubled. What's on your heart? What's going on? Tell me what's happening. I know i got places to go. I don't care. I'm putting them aside. I'm sitting down. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you right now. Tell me what's up. You know, that, that's more a picture of love. Who do you know that's hurting? Stop a minute and think. Like right now, I'm being serious. Who do you know that's hurting? don't have to be in the church. Matter of fact, it's better if it's somebody who's not in church. Who do you know is hurting? How can you best love them? Figure out a way. I can't answer that because I don't know who you're thinking about. How, how can you best love In truth, yep, be honest with them, whatever the hurt is, be honest with them. But then in a way that honors Christ and draws them to him and to his church. So let's seek God in prayer sacrificially. Let's do it through fasting. Let's do it through giving. Let's create hunger and thirst in ourselves and ask God to grow our church. But let's expect an answer because we are going to actively love each other and love this community. All right? Rather than advertising and promotions, we want to love people into our church. That makes some, some form of sense. So the question you walk away with today is how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? Be careful, too. It's complicated because if you make a strategy out of it, then it doesn't seem like love anymore. It seems like a project, right? Uh, I don't have that answer because I don't know all of your points of connection. But I think you understand what it means a little better to love somebody. Now, it would be easy to close it up there, but I can't walk away from the gospel. Um, The fact is right there in the middle of all that, he gave those two commands. Love one another, but the other one, let's believe in Jesus. And the Greatest part of that is what Jesus did is the greatest display of love ever, ever. I, I, I read over it quickly, but let's not miss that. And he said he died to show his love for us. He died. He didn't go to war and get shot. He didn't walk into a burning house. He didn't do all of that. He gave up a position as creator of the universe to be born and walk on this earth busted up like we are. Not sinful, but frail, prone to sickness and whatever else. Uh, to say that he was poor might, we don't know that. We could, we could argue it, but, but we do know he gave up a fortune. <laughs> to say the least, he owned everything. To be a child of a simple family. Uh, and then he went to a cross. I mean, his death was horrific. And, and 
We can argue all day about why we think it had to be so bad, but I think that the greatest reason and the greatest thing to get from how bad it was is he loves you that much. Even though it would be that horrible, he'll do it. Nail me to a cross. I love her. Beat me again. I love her. Put the, put the thorns in my head. I love him. Do whatever you want. I love him. And then he died. But the grave had no chance of holding him. No chance. He created everything. Created everything. Grave has every ability to hold us. No chance of holding him. So him conquering that grave was not just flexing his muscles. That was for you because you can't get out of it. But he did. And now when you believe, as John just said, when you believe in him, when you put your faith in him and say, I know I can't, but you can. I trust that this is true. I trust that what I'm hearing is true. I trust that you are who you say you are, and I trust you to pull me out of that grave. I trust you with my life. When you do that, then you're able to love like that because you get filled with love, his love. And you need to do that today if you haven't done it before. We're going to sing another song and, and close it up. And I want to encourage you, like, don't, don't just walk out of here and say, well, that was a good sermon or that was a terrible sermon. I mean, don't, don't, don't walk out of here with that. Walk out of here with this word. Go back and open it back up. Go back and open First John back up, chapter 3. Look back at it again. Ask God how you can love people. You know, it might be, I know Dave and Carol are really good at making friends in restaurants. You know, you can hardly go in a restaurant and then not get to know somebody there. You know, that's a great way. That's an easy way. Take time to get to know somebody. Ask your server about their life. Don't make a project. Don't make a project. Give me four things I can pray for you today about so that I can pat myself on the back. That I, You know, don't, don't do that. Actually care. Ask them. You know, one of the things I always say, if they if I ask a server, like, they come up and they, they say, how are you doing? I'm like, great. And I say, how are you doing? And they're like, great. And I'm like, are you really great? Or are you just saying that? Do that. It cracks me up. They always laugh um, because nobody ever takes an interest. Great's just what we say, right? I'm great. Uh, but be prepared to take seriously if they answer. And that's just a dumb little example. But you you know what I'm saying. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. I thank you for each person that's here as has been prayed before. Um, you know, it's not about me. But I love worshiping with a group of people. And I love worshiping with people that um, love you too. And they come here to see you. And and it's it's... It's great to be part of your kingdom right now. And I know there's a lot of needs in this room. If we were to go around and do prayer requests and people were uh, free in their heart, to be honest, I know there's a lot of things. And, um, God, I pray you answer prayers. I don't even know how to tell you what to do. I'm not going to pretend to act like I can see all like you can. Uh, but I pray, God, that you answer prayers today, that you bring um bring about results from our prayers that are tangible, things we can see, and we can say, man, God did that. God, you did that. Um, Lord, we trust you in all things. I pray if anybody today gives their life to you, that they would just tell you right now they would surrender their life to you. If that happens, Lord, I pray they would come talk to me before they leave. Lord, you're awesome and amazing. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.